Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Caps, alongside my co host, Jordan Chiro. Well, Jordan, the conference finals are finally here after some pretty awesome and intense NBA action over the weekend. Um, you get to take any of it in? Yeah, yeah, I saw it all. And, you know, it's based on last year when you had the Bucks and the Suns and you thought maybe it would be a repeat of that matchup. Not the case. Um, credit to, to Boston. Wow, they've played some unbelievable playoff basketball so um let's just jump right into that i mean as a bucks fan i saw you were posting on social media how proud you were of game six of how they fought back uh, a big game on the road and then man they they shot the lights out and got a big big game from grant williams what did you think you know like, like you like you touched on Game six, I feel like Boston really almost won the series in game six. And and I know the road team had won four of the six games going into game seven. So in theory, the Bucs had a chance. But the way the momentum of the series was so strong going into that building, I, I felt really confident in the Celtics going into Boston in game seven. But game six, to watch Giannis do what he did, he had 44 and 20. And I think he had like nine assists. So he almost had a triple-double with 20 boards pretty much getting whatever he wanted. And for Tatum, it, it was almost as if he took it as a personal challenge in that fourth quarter to say, no, we are not going to lose. I'm going to make damn sure we don't lose and hit big shot after big shot. There was one particular play. The Bucks had cut the deficit down to four and the Celtics had a, an inbounds play uh, under the Bucks basket. And there's only two seconds on the shot clock. If they don't make that shot. The Bucks, who then came down and hit on their next basket, essentially would have made it a one-possession game. But they inbounded to Tatum, and he hits a tough turnaround fadeaway, falling into the corner. Very Kobe-esque, to be honest. The guy who actually, that was his mentor. Um, and he showed a lot of that, that Mamba mentality in that game and made sure himself that they didn't lose. And, and yeah, I was really proud of them. And then in Game 7, they just shot the lights out. Brooklyn, and I have to say, Mike Budenholzer, he, he gets a lot of praise, especially after winning the title last year. But how are you not making any defensive adjustments when the Celtics are just raining threes on you? And most of them are uncontested. Like, it, it was astounding. Like, they got Brooke Lopez trying to chase Grant Williams around the court. Like, that's obviously not going to work. I mean, I get they wanted to pack the paint and not give them, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum good looks inside. But you can't give up 23s every game and expect to win a series. But apparently that's what Mike thought. Yeah, you know, and um, just not a great game from uh, the Bucks in game seven. I mean, Giannis put up 25 and, and uh, 20 rebounds and nine assists. But, um, I mean, they shot as a team 12% from three. Four of 33, 12%, 36.7% from the field. So, you know, Boston shot made 22 threes, but they shot 55 three-pointers, which is insane for how basketball is. is now. I mean, it's crazy. But in Ime Udoka, he talked about it 
And he said, you know, the game plan was if they're going to keep giving those threes to us, we're going to keep taking them. And the Bucks, most of those threes were uncontested. Uh, the Celtics did a great job. I believe they had 29 assists on the 37 made baskets in the game. So they moved the ball really, really well to create a lot of those open looks. Whereas Milwaukee was a lot of just ISO ball and get out of Giannis's way half the time. And, you know, Giannis does his thing again, but... You know, obviously missing Chris Middleton, I think that really reared its head as the series progressed because the Bucs needed someone else that could just get their own shot and they didn't have that guy and it finally played out. But all right, how about we uh, talk a little bit about the other game seven yesterday, which was even more shocking. Um, the Dallas Mavericks go into Phoenix and Luka Doncic himself ties the Phoenix Suns at halftime. He and the Suns were tied 27 apiece. The problem for the Suns, the rest of the Mavs also scored points, and they led by 30 at the break and ran away with it. Even then, I thought, okay, well, Phoenix is going to come out in the third and with some energy and try to make a game. Nope, it was 45, five minutes into the third. And it was like, oh, my God, this team just folded like a cheap blanket. The Suns really had 27 points at halftime in game <sighs> at seven. Home. At game home. seven. I yeah, mean, come was- on. I mean, that's. Is it the Chris Paul effect? Because I have a, a couple nuggets on Chris Paul. He's a hell of a yeah, player. Yeah, let me hear him. Uh, he finished with a plus minus minus 39, which is the worst <laughs> in his NBA career. Se- Playoff regular, regular se- season, right? Exactly. Minus 39. He also, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's not been a very good player in the playoffs you know he's he's the first player ever to blow five uh a series leading to zero yep. in a best of seven series 2008 2013 2008 versus the spurs 2013 versus the grizzlies 2016 versus the blazers 2021 versus the bucks and 2022 versus the mavericks do you think it's just bad luck i mean luca was just incredible i mean it's so hard to talk about luca as an NBA fan, because as a Kings fan, they could have had him as their savior, of their franchise, but they decided that to go the opposite way. And now Luca's a superstar. Well, I mean, to be to just to give Sacramento a little bit of a break, they weren't the only ones that passed on him. Um, Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. also passed on them, and and I think they might be regretting that potentially. You know, Devin Booker, because I feel like a lot of people are piling on CP3, and understandably so. Because once again, I mean, how many times can you see him? And he didn't just, you know, he wasn't on a team that just blew another 2 nothing series lead. After game two, you look at his performances and he didn't even score in double digits in almost any of the games. He, he was just flat out bad. Um, but Devin Booker also, that was his first career game seven. And after game six, he had this smile on his face. He said, well, I've never played in a game seven. And he looked so excited. And it actually made me believe that Booker was going to play really, really well. Like we've seen this kid step up in big moments before, but now he's getting his first game seven taste. And he looked like he was going to be ready. He, he, he didn't hit a single shot in the first half and was one of the biggest reasons that that they lost that game. And, and to, you know, knowing that he and Luca had built up a bit of a rivalry during that series. And I think clearly, you know, Devin Booker, he don't want that smoke. Like, Luca showed him who's the better player, and it's not even close, apparently. 
Luca was by far the best player in that series. I mean, one of the best players in the playoffs this season. And he just, they went in, they were composed, and they smelled blood in the first half. And um, they went for the kill right in the, right at the start of the third quarter and built up that lead. And um, that was it. Two teams that were in the finals last year are now going home. And now we go on to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So let's dive into the Eastern game. Miami versus Boston. Miami is favored by one and a half. Over under is 204. Um, Who do you like? You know, I I like Miami a lot in game one. And granted, remember, uh, I'm, I'm the diehard Celtics fan, admittedly. So I'm always a little bit jaded. Um... And I think the the Celtics Bucks series was the only one that I didn't consistently pick pretty well through the first two rounds. So, you know, I don't feel extremely confident knowing the momentum that Boston has, but you got to, I feel like the, the energy and emotion that it took to overcome the defending champs was quite a bit. And to have to play that game Sunday afternoon, then travel to Miami Monday to play Tuesday night, against a a more rested team. And it's a team that is very, very similar to the one that the Celtics field. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league, have one of the best defensive three-point shooting uh, teams in the NBA. And knowing how frequently Boston was jacking up threes against Milwaukee, I think they might, not even consciously, but subconsciously on the court, fall back into that same mentality in game one and still attempt 40 plus threes. That's not going to work against the heat. Uh, and knowing that the heater rested down the stretch, they, they actually met, even though Boston won two of the three in the regular season with a couple games remaining in the regular season, the Celtics had to play the heat and they were still trying to win the division at that point And Miami beat them pretty soundly and was the better club. And knowing all those factors coming into this, even without Kyle Lowry, because it sounds like he might be out, at least for this game, I still like Miami in this game. Uh, the series is is totally a different different animal, I feel like. But going into game one, I, I like Miami. I'll lay the one and a half. I think they cover. How about you? I like Miami, too. <clears throat> I do. Like I like them at, at one and a half. And I actually like the over-under uh, 204. I mean... This is a game that I would like, like to play with. Do you like the under? I like the under. I think yeah. I think Boston's going to be a little winded and a little tired, and um, I could easily see this um, being like a ninety-eight to ninety-four game, just you know, a grinded out defensive battle. And and Marcus Smart, like a little nugget today, he had an MRI and he's questionable with a foot sprain, um, injured his foot in um, yesterday's game. So. They don't have him as well. Um, but um, this is a game that I like as a parlay. Uh, I, I would definitely roll with uh, Miami uh, minus one and a half and the under at 204. Yeah, it's funny how those over-unders in almost every Celtics postseason game, Vegas keeps trying to adjust and lowering that number, but Boston continues to find a way to hit that under most of the time. Um, 204, that's the smallest number I think we've seen in almost any playoff game thus far. Uh, across the league, but these two teams are so good defensively. And like you said, uh, Boston might be a little tired, weary in the legs. And if they try jacking up all those triples, I think they're going to find that it's not so easy against 
uh, the Heat defense as it was against the Bucs. So the under, if I was going to lean, I think that's probably a smart play too. Even though a lot of people would see that number and be scared off, but but I like that. But one thing that stood out to me when I was looking at some odds for this series, you know, right now, despite the fact that Miami is favored by one and a half to win game one, Boston's actually favored to win the series at minus 175. The Heat are a plus 145, which that's not a bad bet. They're the one seed for a reason. People don't give them enough credit. Jimmy Butler might still be, and I think probably is the best player in the series. Um, and knowing that they're almost as good defensively, but they have home court and, and assuming that they do win game one, which I feel pretty strongly that they will having that advantage to be 145 to win the series. Cause if Miami wins game one, that's going to change dramatically. Um, more than likely it's going to be a toss and pick them, uh, odds on the series. So if you can get, if you like Miami now, plus 145 might be as good as you're going to get. So I'd hop on that now. And another one that's kind of sneaky good, Tyler Hero, he's 34 to 1 to win the Eastern Finals MVP. Knowing what the Celtics do defensively, it's almost like Imiu Doka takes a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook and he says, I'm going to take away your star. And they did that to Kevin Durant in the first game. And even though there was obviously a couple games where Giannis put up massive numbers, even in the game yesterday, he shot really poorly. Like, it took him 30-some-odd shots to get his 40. Um, They made him a volume score when he's not accustomed to being that type of player. So they're really, really good at making the best player work. I would expect them to treat Jimmy Butler the same way. So if that is the case, but Miami does win this series, even though Bam Adebayo is the next best odds for a Heat player, I really like Tyler Hero. 34-1, to I feel like some pretty darn good odds for a guy that could score 20 a game in this series. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I could see it. Like, I think it's a, it's it's a stretch. But I mean, it's you a know, stretch. You, yeah, I agree. Yep. You know, but if Hero goes out and just has like an unbelievable series and is scoring, you know, like averaging like twenty, twenty to twenty five every game and big shot after big shot after big shot, like I, I mean, it's possible. It's definitely yeah. possible. I definitely, like, I, I'm not predicting that it will happen, but if this series was played 34 times, my guess is it happens at least once or twice. So, therefore, I think there's value in that bet. Uh, so, when I, when I saw that, that really stood out to me as something that, you know, you throw a few shekels on it, it might end up paying off. All right, so let's transition to the Western Conference here. We have Golden State versus Dallas. The Warriors are favored by five in game one. Uh, the over-under is 214.5. Um, what are your thoughts with this one? This is really tricky. This is one of the ones where I'm not confident either way. I could see Golden State winning by 8-14, to 14, but I could also see Dallas stealing this game or at the very least keeping it close. Uh, so the only thing that I do like, I like the under. Um, knowing the defense that Dallas plays. And when Golden State brings it defensively, they're one of the best defensive clubs in the league as well. Uh, So I think that, you know, we might see some tired legs from Dallas as well, potentially. And so if there's one spot that I kind of like, it would be the under in this game. But that Vegas did a great job at setting the line at minus five. How about you? What do you think? You know, I know Golden State had lost Steve Kerr. And from what I've seen from them, and I know they had 
um, the assistant coach Mike Brown in there filling in. So it's going to be a little transition with your team um, to adjust offensively because he basically ran the defense. Ever since Gary Payton got hurt and hurt and broke his elbow, they just haven't really looked like that dominant team. And they miss so many open shots. I think uh, in game five or game four, I they, they started out 0 of 16 from three, like wide open shots. I think this game and this series, I like... I like the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks are going to come out. I think they're like one of the hottest teams right now. Um, and I would not want to play them. They absolutely took it to Phoenix. And I, you know, as much as everybody really wanted to see Phoenix and Golden State, um, I just think Dallas is, uh, especially with Luka, you know, I think he's the best player in the uh, in the playoffs right now with Giannis out. Um, I like Dallas plus five in game one. I just, Golden State still hasn't really shown me that they're just like that, you know, Memphis like really, really took it to them. And if they, if, if Memphis would have gotten game six and Clay wouldn't have gone crazy in that game, hitting big shot after big shot, I don't think they would have made it out. I think Memphis would have beaten them in game seven. Game seven, yeah. So I, Golden State just hasn't really convinced me that they're just really, really like a dominant team. Like not the way I look at like Miami. Like I look at Miami differently. Like they're just they're they just look very, very sound team. Right yeah, they now. look Golden, complete. Right, and there's something off with Golden State. Like I'm watching the games. I'm like, how are like these shooters missing wide open? threes and ever since that injury they just haven't looked the same but i could be dead wrong uh, kirk could kirk's supposed to be coming back and uh, coaching this series so you know like you never know but um i like dallas i like dallas in game one and i like dallas in this series overall i mean you definitely touched on something there the the defense has also taken a slight hit because gary payton you know, he, he wasn't going to be a guy that's going to be scoring 15 a game for them. He had a couple games where he, he did okay offensively, but he might be the best wing defender on the team. And you're right that the Grizzlies, you know, there was a couple games there that even game six, that was a back and forth game the whole way until Clay went off in the fourth. And they haven't looked as dominant as the odds in Vegas would lead you to believe because they're the odds on favorite the Warriors are to win the title at this point. But they haven't looked nearly as good as as you would think and you expect them to be for where they are. So I agree that Dallas has a very live shot at winning this game and this series. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they won this first game. And that's part of the reason why that, that plus five, it scares me because I could see the Mavs covering, but I could also see it being really close. Then the Mavs hit a, miss a couple shots late. Golden State hits their free throws and wins by eight. Like I, I can totally see that playing out as well. So that's why for me, I'm a little scared off, but I like that you're sticking your, your neck out there and, and standing by what you believe. And there's a lot of reason to believe in this Mavs team. You know that they're not scared after what they just did to Phoenix. There's nothing that's going to phase that team. And don't you think that Golden State knows that they had trouble with the Mavericks this year? Uh, Mavericks went three and one against Golden State this year. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a nice so, little nugget. You know, yeah, they, they, they kind of had their number. But, um, you know, I, I just, I haven't seen 
the dominant Curry yet. I know Clay is he's getting his feet wet back in the playoffs again, but I haven't seen the dominant Curry yet. Um, Draymond's Draymond. Um, so, so we'll see, but they're playing a very, very confident hot team right now, uh, that has played very well and matched up very well with them in the regular season. So I'm going Dallas plus five in game one. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we got the, uh, game ones from the Eastern Western conference finals done, also, as that conference finals kick off, the NBA draft lottery is also on Tuesday, Tuesday evening. Um, and I know you're going to be somewhat invested as a big of a Kings fan as you are. Um, you know, the odds say the most likely landing spot for you guys is number eight, which I feel like you guys draft eighth. It seems like every year, but who knows? Maybe you'll get lucky this year. It's actually seven. Oh, is it lucky seven? Number. Yeah. Every single year, they're either seven, eight, nine or 10 usually like because they're not bad enough to tank properly to get in the top three or top four so they're not good enough to tank enough exactly (laughs) so so anyways but the nba draft lottery is my most hated day out of the year um i can't stand it two years ago i didn't watch and i did something i was trying to change the luck up so i i grabbed my my dog, who is a rescue pit bull, who I love so much. I was holding her and the Kings, I was watching it on my phone and I was just looking through Twitter. I wasn't watching any videos and the Kings had jumped up in the lottery to from, from seven to five. Cool. Two spots. Then the very next year I did the exact same thing. I was holding my dog and the Kings <laughs> moved up from eight to two, which was amazing. And so, but you know, the outcome is they passed on Luca and they took Marvin Bagley. So we all know how that went. And then <laughs> last year I ended up watching it and the Kings stayed. So this year, tomorrow I'm watching it on Twitter. I'm not even going to turn it yeah. on and hopefully I'm going to do the same thing. Like I'm going to keep the same thing, but I was holding my dog last year, but I was watching the TV. So I'm very superstitious like that. Like I got to keep it how it worked before. So, um, yeah, like it's exciting, you know, for, you know, like the unknown. Um, but there's always a team that usually usually jumps, you know, like last year, pick seven jumped into the top three. It was Toronto and they end up getting, um, what's his name? I can't think Scotty of his name. Barnes? Yeah, but they yeah. were slated at seven and they had like a 7.5% chance and they jumped up into the top three and got Scotty Barnes. So it's always exciting um, um, to see what happens, but, uh, yeah, well, I'll be rooting for you. Uh, I'll, I'll be thinking of you in spirit and in heart, uh, hoping that you guys get to jump up and hopefully you don't bungle it. Even if you do jump up. But the thing about it is, is even if they do get in the top three, I was so, I was elated when they got the number two, because I was super high on Luca. I I was like, Vlade is a, He's he's Serbian. He's you know he's got the international ties. Like of course he's gonna take Luca. Of course, why would he not? One of the best, if not the best, young Europe prospects ever. And you know, like the closer it got to the draft, the closer you know they were going further and further apart from Luca. And in that moment, I had a draft party, and I had about four friends over. And as soon as the Kings picked Marvin Bagley they all gave me a group hug and it was so it was like the worst hug I think I've ever had because I knew and they all knew it was going to be a mistake <laughs> and it was and now I have to watch Luca just 
destroying teams. I mean, it's disgusting. I mean, it's so. Yeah. I mean, I could run the Kings better than what the who runs them now, yeah. like Princeton yeah. grads. Like, it's not that hard. Like, the consensus of the NBA thought Luca was going to be a star, and you're like, no. So okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it should be yeah. fun. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping the Kings. Uh, Get the number one pick, but I won't be greedy if they get in the top three. I'm I'm good with that. But do you have a prediction? Like, I'm gonna pick the Kings are gonna win the lottery, and who are you gonna take? Just for fun, we can go back and look because maybe you'll get it right. I'm gonna take the Houston Rockets. I'm gonna play the odds and okay. go with the team that has the most ping pong balls. Got it. Because <laughs> that's what I do. I like to take those odds, baby. All right, let's uh, jump into uh, Kendall's corner. Kendall, take it away. Yeah, so last time we uh, introduced the new segment, Kendall's Corner, I gave you guys all a few little tidbits. I told you to take the over 35 and a half in the Maple Leafs Lightning Series. There ended up being almost 50 goals. Slam dunk, easy money, just like I said it was. I said take the under 36 and a half Avalanche uh, Nashville Predator series because there is no way there was going to be enough games in that series for there to be 35 goals. Well, guess what? The Avalanche swept them. There weren't even 30 goals in that series. Slam dunk, easy money. I also told you parlay the Avs, the Flames, and the Panthers to win their first round series. I said, put them all together. Even though they're all favorites, you're going to get more than even money for that parlay. Boom. Guess what? All three of them win. Granted, the Flames, it it was scary. It took overtime in game seven, but they got the job done. If you had listened to me, you hit all three. So far, we're hitting at 74% overall in the show. So hopefully we're making you guys a little bit of money. So coming into this week, Kendall's Corner, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Once again, I caught a couple things that stood out. We're going to go back to the Avs and the Blues. um, And this time, unlike the under that we took last series, because there weren't going to be enough games. Now, this St. Louis Blues team, this isn't the Nashville Predators. This Blues team is really, really good. This series is going at least six. And the over-under opened at 33.5. Vegas has already had to move it up to 34.5. Give me the over 34.5, because there will be six games in this series. And six games with the Avalanche playing, there's going to be plenty of goals. Give me the over. However, on the in the Eastern Conference, the Hurricanes-Rangers series... The line opened under 29 and a half total goals. That's a really small number, but it's a small number for a reason. These teams are exceptional defensively, have two of the best netminders, and the Canes are probably getting Frederick Anderson back for this series. Even if they don't, Antti Ranta has been really, really solid filling in for him for the last month. So I love the under, even though I expect this to be a six-game series, there's going to be a number of two-to-one, two-nothing, three-to-one games in this series. So hammer the under 29 and a half. The one other bet that stood out to me, we're going to transition to baseball. And this is almost like taking candy from a baby. It's, it's amazing that you can just go out and make this bet right now. And it's not going to pay off for a while, but you'll thank me at the end of the baseball season when you do. A four-team parlay of division winners. Take the Dodgers, Mets, Astros, and White Sox, and you're going to get plus 500 on your money. Obviously, the Dodgers are an easy choice. And even though that division is no joke, still, they're arguably one of the most talented teams I've ever witnessed. You have to expect the Dodgers to be able to come through and win that division. The Mets have the staying power, and they're only going to get better when DeGrom comes back this summer. The AL West is a battle between Houston and the Angels. The Angels have surprised a lot of people, but their rotation beyond Otani is not very good. And as the summer months warm up, 
I expect that rotation to be exposed. Houston is legit. Verlander looks like the old Verlander. He's leading the majors in pretty every statistical category at this point. Um, so Houston, I think, is a very solid bet to win that division. And the White Sox is the only one where there's a little bit of uncertainty. They were expected to win the division and play really, really well. They have struggled so far this season. They put a six-game win streak together last week. Then they went up and down since. Uh, but I don't trust the Indians. And, and I do think that over the long haul of this season, the talent will win out. The White Sox will win the division. Put those four together. Get 5-1 to one on your money. And that's Kendall's Corner. For Jordan Chirot, I'm Kendall Caps, and we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.